What's up, everyone? This is Rajan. Uh, it's approximately midnight on Wednesday evening, and uh, Pat and I just got done recording a marathon episode that you're about to hear a large portion of discussing the three biggest positions of need for the Washington football team this upcoming offseason. And again, as you'll hear in the intro of the podcast episode itself, we had a conversation and we went pretty uh, deeply into those three biggest positions as mentioned, being linebacker, wide receiver, and quarterback. But given that our conversation ran basically close to two hours, I didn't really want to drop a two-hour podcast episode because I don't think anyone's going to really want to listen to the two of us talk for that long. So what I decided to do is this. Despite what you're going to hear in the intro about us talking about all three positions, I'm actually going to splice the episode in a way such that the first episode that you're going to hear momentarily is going to cover just the linebacker and wide receiver spots. You're probably going to hear an abrupt end at the end of the wide receiver conversation, which is a result of that. And then after that, I'm going to drop a separate standalone episode in which you'll hear us talk about the quarterback spot. So um, apologies in advance if I've misled anyone or if you see this as any modicum of fake news. Uh, appreciate your patience with this and of more importantly, appreciate you listening to our content. But without further ado, here is our conversation about the linebacker and wide receiver spots this upcoming offseason. And then make sure you keep an eye out for that quarterback episode. Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast with your host, Rajan Nanavati. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Hail to the District podcast. He's Pat. I'm Rajan. And in this episode, we're back for part two of our 2021 offseason preview or analysis or whatever you want to call it pertaining to the Washington football team. Now, as a reminder for those of you who didn't catch part one, and if you haven't done so or if you haven't caught it, please go back and make sure you listen to it um, because over part one and part two, we're covering what we believe to be the top six biggest positional needs for Washington to address this offseason and doing a bit of a dive into each one of them. So in part one, we did number six through number four, the first three, I guess the lesser three priorities, if you will, which means in this episode, we're getting to the good stuff, which means that these are, in our opinion, although I think you'd be hard pressed to disagree, the three biggest positional needs for the Washington football team to address this offseason. We have talked about a lot of these in our previous podcasts. If you go on social media, you know fans are talking about these three positions. It should not take any, it would not be any surprise uh, to hear what the three of them are. Um, but before we jump into them, I'll stop talking, Pat, to get your opening thoughts before we get into uh, position number three and work our way down to number one. Yeah, uh, pretty exciting to talk today because the Heineke news uh, came out uh, this morning, uh, re-signing for two years at $8.75 million, which uh, the devil's in the details. He's, he's actually super cheap. Um, but I'm very excited to talk about today because, you know, in the previous podcast, we talked about offensive linemen. We talked about, you know, some safeties here and there. Um, we talked about cornerbacks, and you know, tight cornerbacks, ends. tight ends, like positions that are, are important. But I think the three we're going to talk about today are, are the most critical. Everyone knows we're going to talk about linebacker. We're going to talk about what I've been saying, throw the bag at for, you know, ever. Uh, and then jump into the quarterback position, uh, which, you know, is uh, you could tweet start Heineke and you'll probably get the best uh, engagement on on Twitter because everyone will jump on you. That's um, play. Oh, that's oh, should have been playoff MVP Tyler Heineke to you. Excuse me. Excuse yeah. me. Um, the great the ODU great. Uh, so I'm excited to dive into this because now that the Super Bowl's over, 
you know, most of the power rankings have us around number 20 that I've seen for the, like the way too early power rankings going into next year. Um, and I think these three positions, linebacker, wide receiver, quarterback are the biggest three. And if we do something, if we do well here, I think we're, you know, not only ascending team, we're back in the playoffs in my opinion. Yeah. So again, going back to what I was saying earlier, if you've listened to our pods over the course of the season, you know we have railed, rightfully so, about the linebacker position for the majority of the year. Literally, if not every single post-game podcast we did, uh, it's something that Ron Rivera has brought up in virtually every post-game presser he's did. He's talked about it probably week over week over week over week throughout the course of the season. Um, I think the best way to put it is this. We run a 4-3 defense under Jack Del Rio, and at minimum, we have to replace one linebacker, and probably realistically, we have to replace two linebackers, which means in a 4-3 defense or in a, in a defense where we have three linebackers, we have to replace two of them or 66.6% of them. I, I think that sums it up in terms of the need there. Uh, if you look at our current depth chart, you've got uh, Cole Holcomb, John Bostic, and Kevin Pierre-Lewis. That may be the worst group of linebackers that I think in either of our lifetimes that the Washington football team in whatever iteration it has, has rolled out. And to make matters even more ironic, um, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, who is probably the second best of those three linebackers, is a free agent right now. Um, so you've basically got Cole Holcomb and John Bostic as the only guys on the roster, starters on the roster. The only other guy of real consequence on the roster right now is Kaliki Hudson, who is a late round pick. I want to say sixth or seventh last year in the, in the last year's draft. But past that, um, they released Sean Deion Hamilton, like literally as soon as the playoffs or their postseason was over. Um, Thomas Davis retired. Good riddance. Tremendous player in Carolina. Was a complete non-factor in Washington. You've heard us again say that, you know, he, he just looked old and slow and, you know. Yeah, I, was surprised. Than, I was excited when we drafted him. He just did not work out. You think he was one of our highest priced free agents and it was a, a complete dud for all the bargain basement guys we signed. Um, so from everything you read so far in terms of previewing Washington's offseason from the scribes, it sounds like they're going to do everything they can to bring back Kevin Pierre Lewis. It's probably going to come very cheaply. Um, they like him. I think he wants to stay. He's not going to be someone who's going to break the bank considering he had some injury issues through the course of the year. Uh, but that doesn't mean that he automatically fills one position and that we don't need at least one, if not two spots to be, um, upgraded. Uh I'm not sure they're the worst group of linebackers in our lifetime. I'm sure we could nitpick and go find someone as bad, but they are bad. Uh, I think it's important though to, to call out that like we need, we need some dudes at linebacker badly if we want to take the next step defensively, in, in my opinion. Um, but switching from three three four to four three, like Kerrigan was a linebacker, you know, Sweat was a linebacker, so they become ends, and it just thinned out basically that group. Uh, and we didn't have the players to 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 Play fill that scheme right away, right? I think Holcomb is still he's not necessarily an exciting player, but like he's got he's got good speed. He's probably, in my opinion, he's probably the best of all of them. Um, which you know, to, to be fair, doesn't say a ton. Uh, I mean, I still think about him blowing up Zeke Elliott though all the time, uh, and and uh, sacking Dalton um, when we beat Dallas at home. That was just an awesome play mostly because he just ran over Zeke. Um, but otherwise, like, I've been pretty – I dislike Bostic, Bostic for a long time. I think makes he sucks. Of us. Yeah, I think he sucks. Um, I was hoping he'd kind of be a depth guy. He's the kind of guy that, as a fan base, I don't – this 
this is not a shot at Redskins fans. This is a shot, I think, at like NFL fans in general. And, and I'm guilty of it. Bostic came over from the Steelers and like gave like a couple really good interviews in his first training camp. And I was like, yeah, came from the Steelers. He's got to be, he's got to be good. Well, you know, the Steelers didn't keep him for a reason. Yes. Uh, and he's not that good. Um, and then, you know, KPL, I, I like KPL. He's, he's actually one of the best coverage linebackers in the league. Um, so, you know, I think those three are okay, but like we need you watch that Super Bowl and go watch like Levante David, go watch White. Like those dudes, those guys are dudes, right? Straight up erasers. Um, yeah, erasers. And you you pair a good linebacker with our defensive line, and it's a game changer. Like it's just a position we need to 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 figure out. I, I don't think we're going to throw the bag at a linebacker. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if you, you mentioned like one or two free agents. I wouldn't be surprised if we brought in a couple and then try to weed them out. Uh, yeah. That's kind of the approach I see Ron taking. Cause Ron was very critical of our linebackers multiple times during the season. Yep. As, uh, again, rightfully. So one of the things that we would scream about, also, it, you were talking about Davis when I said, I'm surprised we, I, I had high hopes for him. I was thinking of freaking, uh, uh, I was thinking of, Sean Dion Hamilton, not, not Thomas. I had high hopes for Sean Dion Hamilton as well. So again, as I was mentioning ad nauseum, you know, we watch a lot of Alabama football because of my wife in the house, Alabama alumna, and um, paid a little closer to attention to them just because again of the circumstances. And I remember like Washington fans were like hyping up Ruben Foster and stuff like that. And I'm like, look, there's a reason San Francisco cut him. And I get that all this, the allegations and stuff were dropped and he's crazy. His significant other was crazy, blah, 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 and stuff like that. But like, there was always a thing behind him with even Nick Saban's like, look, tremendous football player, neck down, neck up is where all the questions live. But never said, there's quite the opposite about Sean Dion Hamilton. He always said like, Sean Dion Hamilton, I'm talking about Nick Saban would say this, that um, great player, he's just got to stay healthy. Um, but you know, one of his, like one of those guys that coaches love. So kind of surprised it didn't work out as well to your point. Um, I think injuries played a small factor, not quite as much as, uh, as you might think, but um, yeah, maybe it's just a regime change or whatever. It just didn't fit in with the current coaching staff. That's neither here nor there. Um, Davis was just one of those. It was kind of an old head. It didn't work. It's fine. It didn't miss him. Didn't provide anything to the team. Um, yeah. He was brought in for culture. I mean, exactly. 100% culture signing. One thing you're going to hear a lot, like as we're preparing for this podcast, and I'm starting to kind of look through all the free agent availability of guys at the positions that we're going to be talking about. And then I started doing research in terms of like, are these guys actually going to be available? Who, what teams are interested in kind of pursuing them, kind of connecting the dots there. We're finding that a lot, or I'm finding, I should say that a lot of the, the yeah, don't, guys who don't are, give me, don't give me any credit who <laughs> are free agents. Um, because of the NFL salary cap, which is still set to go up by a little bit, um, but not as quite as much as it would because of current, the yeah, current economic conditions. Um, where I'm going with this is that a lot of teams are trying to actually re-sign their own guys versus trying to go shop for other teams' guys, recognizing what the price is going to be. So one thing you're going to hear a lot, unfortunately, over the course of the next three positions is that teams are going to try to bring back their own guys, as I just said, right? And as opposed to being like, oh, all these guys are going to be available and we can go, you know, go window shopping everywhere and like, you know, it's, it's, it's buyer's market. Like, no, it's quite the opposite actually. Right. It's a, it's a player's market for lack of a better term. So what I'm going with is one of the big free agent options that kind of headlines a list. You already mentioned his name, Levante David, um, seeing, seeing his name available 
He's awesome. You know, he's a great linebacker. I loved him throughout his time in Tampa. He fits kind of the smaller, undersized, weak side, outside linebacker that Rivera has had throughout his uh, tenure in Carolina. Rivera saw him twice a year because of, you know, playing in Tampa and, and Rivera was in Carolina. I thought it was a great fit. I thought if he was available, they would at least take a run given his age, um, I think early 30s, that, you know, maybe could get him kind of on a relatively uh, friendly deal, relatively, especially with Tampa's upcoming cap potential things, like they have a lot of guys got to resign. But Bruce Arians came out today and basically publicly said to Levante David in the midst of their Super Bowl celebrations, you're not going anywhere. So that's scratch another guy off the list. I don't think, like Arians was very clear, like we're going to tape it back up and we're going to run it all back one more time with the present team. And honestly, why not? Um, so scratch one name. It's not, like they're, it's not like they have an old team. Just bring them all back. You no, it's an expensive team. It's not an old team by yeah. any. Yeah, stretch. but the thing is, is like you got players like Evans who are like, you know what? Take some money back so you can keep this team together. Why? Because everyone wants to play with Tom. I really, and as much as I, I don't want to, you know, I don't want to admit that, but that's the case, right? Like everyone knows it's kind of like the whole NBA ring chaser thing where like, I'll take Christian. a cheap contract this year because I want to go get a ring or another ring. Adrian Peterson came out today and said, I would love to play for Tampa. He was like, he literally said, I want to go get a ring. Do you everyone him? just wants to play with Tom. No, I don't blame him. I'd be doing the same thing. It's like when, uh, it's like when the Lakers were uh, with Kobe and Shaq. And then all of a sudden they had Gary Payton, Carmelone, and like all these old guys wanted to go play with them. Why not? And I mean, it, and then the, they ran into the Pistons. The Heat did it very similarly in the early 2010s, right? Like they had a whole bunch of old dudes on their on the back of their bench because, like, yeah, it was just ring chasers, right? Um, Wasn't Channing Fry on those teams? On the Lakers teams? Oh, no, me, on, the, the Heat teams? on the Heat teams. I can't remember. I don't think so, but I could be dead wrong about that. Who am I thinking of? Um, was Richard so Jefferson on those teams? Richard Jefferson, I think. No, he got one with the Cavs. The Cavs, that's who Yeah, he got one in Cleveland. I know he got one in Cleveland. Um, uh, Brian Winhorst talks about him a lot as like being a source for like when he would cover his time and talk about the LeBron um, tenure in uh, in uh, in Cleveland. Dude was trying to trying to get into the media. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a quid pro quo there. Um, another guy going back to the linebacker position. Another guy who I thought would be an interesting addition. So um, from a free agent thought. Um, so my my big thing is we have to start a middle linebacker because as you said I I hate John Bostic I think John Bostic is he's not even just a guy he is below the proverbial Mendoza line in terms of uh, adequacy at his job and I think he is one of the he is one of the players like if he comes back in a depth capacity wonderful that's great I don't hate him that much it's not like Troy Apke where I'm like put him on this first thing with an engine to get the fuck out of here right like if Bostic came back as a backup or you know, again, depth capacity, that's great. But in terms of addressing as a starter, um, we need someone else. So one guy that was particularly interesting to me as well um, was uh, Denzel Perriman. He's the middle linebacker for the Chargers. Um, he's young, not a perfect player, but again, someone who could potentially be had at a moderately priced contract. But same thing kind of reading up. It, it sounds like LA wants to try to bring him back and there's not this mutual parting of ways there. So you know, that's another guy that probably is potentially going to be not available. So in terms of like the top of the top free agents at the position, you know, they're not really going to be anyone who's going to walk in and probably be it. Like you can immediately pencil him to be a day one starter, but there are a couple of other guys, one you might be particularly familiar with, uh, who I think are interesting potential additions if no they are to come at the right price. All right. So to your no chance point, I'm going to start with KJ Wright uh, of the Seattle Seahawks. 
that is someone where it seems like there is a mutual parting of ways. He's not coming back to Seattle. Seattle has already basically signed, uh, drafted his replacement in Jordan Brooks. I can't remember if they took him the last draft or the draft prior to that. Um, so he's not he, – basically, those those two have, are, are going their own separate ways. And um, Wright has always been the weak side linebacker next to Bobby Wagner in the middle. It was interesting because he played in the strong side, which is one of the reasons he was kind of a little bit of a fish out of water through all of 2020. Um, and he didn't like it at all, which is neither here nor there really for us. Um, but he actually had a really, really good statistical season in the sense that uh, 11 TFLs and 10 passes defended, both career highs for him. Um, actually, he was the only player in the NFL with double digits in both of those stat categories. And uh, again, he's got a little bit of tread left on the tire. I know you may feel otherwise about that. He's, I mean, he's he's probably in his early 30s. I bet he's like 31 or 32. I think he's in that, that's general range that I remember or recall. I am not a fan. Um, you're probably right, though, in terms of 31. Like, he's 31. Yeah, I just, I, he's never done. You take Wagner off that defense and it totally changes. I just like, to me, to me, Wright's been there forever. At least I feel like he's been there forever. He's been there since like 12 or 13. So it's basically uh, forever at this point. Yeah. And I, I just, I don't know. There's something about him I never really thought he was, I never thought he was that good. He's been in Seattle for what, 10, 10 years. He had one really good year in 2016. Uh, my brother-in-law, I just texted my brother and he responded, I hope he doesn't go anywhere, but he is a free agent. Hard to say what will happen to him. Um, I've never been as big of a fan, although I think you're right. Like he's the type of player that we're gonna gonna have to go get because the you know Levante David's are resetting Anthony Walker in Indianapolis. He's really young. He's only like 25. He's another uh, one. I'm he, gonna get into him in a second, but he is yeah, interesting to me. He is kind. Of, I think he he's kind of a random player. He's from like north northwestern, eastern or northwestern. I was like, yeah. I knew he's from one of those north schools. Um, but he's young. He's 25. KJ to me is 31. I don't know if like, he's, I don't know. He seems like another Jag to me. Uh, only because if he was like 25, I'd be all in, but I don't know. I'd rather, I'd rather resign our players than roll with right. Personally. I don't think I just, I've watched right enough where I'm just like, you just don't stand out to me. It's funny. I'm higher on right than you are in a lot of things. I, I respect the hell out of Bobby Wagner. Um, I've always respected, I may not have liked, but I've always respected those great Seattle defenses in the mid 12, 13 era all onwards. Um, I thought Wright was just as nasty of a hitter, maybe not quite as all rounder of quite as of much of an all rounder as Wright was, excuse me, as Wagner was, but like, I thought Wright was very, very, very good as well in his own right. Uh, No pun intended. Yeah. I mean, I guess to me, the, the way I would sum up Wright just from watching him every Sunday is he feels like the kind of player, a team desperate would shell out money to when, because he's been a Seahawk and he's been productive. I feel like a team would throw money at him, but like, I'm not sure he's worth that money. Does that make sense? It does. Like, and I, I actually think of, I, I thought of like Malcolm Smith who got that one, that MVP yeah. and like, everyone's like, you know, or it's like, it was like when uh, Larry Brown from the Cowboys got a bunch of money after picking off Neil O'Donnell, the Super Bowl twice, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's Super like, 30. Great right. Triple. And, uh, and everyone's Price like, Dallas. Oh, you know, he was, you know, he, he was on the Dallas defense. Like, yeah, but he wasn't the good part of it. Um, I, I didn't, I personally didn't see right as a, as part of that. I was seeing like more of a Malcolm Smith on that, but, um, the one thing that made sense to me for Wright being here potentially was that culture guy 
and kind of just a redux of Thomas Davis, right? Like, it's like, we missed with Thomas Davis. Let's give that concept another swing and a go. Um, in terms yeah, but of at that point, at that point, he's not going to come here because Seattle wall from them. That's kind of my point. Like, we're going to have to overpay for him. And yeah, I don't know that Seattle's going to bring him back. I do think another team, another veteran team, or another team that's like more ready to compete um, could potentially step in. But that was one option. Ready to compete? What are you talking about? We got <laughs> Taylor Haneke ready to roll. I know people on, on Twitter are railing against this, but look, we gave Tampa the biggest fight in the playoffs. I'm just going to say it right there, right? Like a lot more than some of the other opponents did. So I mean, we had the ball down a touchdown on their side of the 50 with two minutes to go. Goddamn right. That's all I'm saying. Um, and if we don't chase points, we win that game. Uh, you said or, it. Or the rest weren't Tom's or the rest weren't in Tom's uh, bag. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that one, but good <laughs> Lord, good Lord. All playoffs, man, all playoffs, but it's been happening for years at this point it's just jordan rules because there's nothing else you can say about it um anthony walker in indianapolis you touched on him uh really interesting potential cheap sneaky good addition um which means i'm not the only one that's possibly thinking about that but uh he was one of those guys he kind of started off slow as um in his career they were misusing him early on um, like when he, like in the thing like the Ryan Grigson days when he got drafted over there or like, you know, before um, Frank Reich's current staff like really got a hold of him. But under Matt Everflos, who runs a 4-3 defense in a similar capacity to what we do, uh, before he started kind of get his hands on him, Walker struggled a little bit, but under Everflos, he started really, really blossoming to a good player. It's just Indianapolis has this philosophy of like, look, it doesn't really matter. Draft the guys we love, and we'll figure out all the positions later on. And they drafted Bobby Okereke from Stanford, who's also very, very good, because Chris Ballard doesn't fucking miss. Um, and now they're kind of stuck with like Walker's, like he's a lot of his time and is being, you know, siphoned off by other guys. And that's not an indictment of Walker. It's just. Indianapolis just is really good at drafting guys who fit exactly what they're looking for. And they take them in the very best player available mentality, which means you know you get guys that are pushed out the door as a result of that. Right. Like a perfect example, Marlon Mack was a good running back for them, but they drafted Jonathan Taylor because that's the guy that they wanted. Now Marlon Mack is fucked. So um, from a positional standpoint, but point being, it's not like the coaches there didn't like him. They actually really liked him. They would consistently praise him as a high work ethic, high passion, high IQ player. Um, and, you know, he's maybe not the fastest, best athlete in the world, but I think, again, he's an upgrade for us. He could potentially be had on a reasonable contract and exactly what you said earlier, he's young. Yeah, I'm all in on the young young part. The other player I'm kind of intrigued by is actually, uh, I don't know if he'll become a free agent. He wasn't on your list. Uh, but he played really well for the Jets this year was Neville Hewitt. I know um, nothing about him. I'll have to do a little digging. but Yeah, he, he kind of signed. He's from Marshall. Uh, he signed for cheap. Um, with the Jets last year. He's an inside linebacker. I think he's only like, uh, I don't know, I think he's like, I'm looking it up right now. 1993, so he's 27. Uh, had 134 tackles, like kind of the Iron Man in the middle for the Jets. You know, if he's a kind of, he signed cheap last year, but he kind of, he made his money this year, you'd give him like $5 million. I feel like he'd be a great, great signing. Um, I know Jets fans don't want to lose him, but like he's the kind of player that, it's kind of ascending kind of reminds me a little bit of the Kissick where he had a couple like a good year, but Ron could view him as an ascending player. Um, I would be intrigued by him. I, I, I mean, I think you're right about the uh, Anthony walkers of the world. Like I'm looking for that. I'm looking yeah. for like the mid twenties 
to early th- like 26 to 29. That's kind of the range I'm looking for. Um, this is why I'm also not running a front office in the NFL, by the way, because that's not how this works. <laughs> but that's ideally what I would do. That's why I'm not wild about like KJ Wright. He's a little older. I think like I'm in win now mode and we have money depending on what happens with the quarterback position. And that's why I think a player like ascending in those mid, mid that that's you know, we'll call them 27 years old would be so intriguing because it's like a good linebacker in our defense just takes off. It does. And I mean, like I said, we, we were screaming about it all season long that so much of our problems are secret problems against the run. They weren't very secretive happened because once a player got past our defensive line, there was nobody plugging holes and like they might as well have just had, you know, green grass and blue skies in front of them because our linebackers were nowhere to be found too, way too often. And we fixed that and all of a sudden the defense goes from really, really good to truly the at quote unquote elite level. Um, Hewitt's interesting. I think that I'm doing a little background on him. Um, what no one is talking about or few people are talking about is how does he fit in from a priority standpoint? Cause people forget that CJ Mosley was out for the entire year. He opted out because of COVID he comes back. And now how does that, cause Saleh runs a four, Robert Saleh is their new head coach runs a four, three over there. So I'm sure they can make it work if they really wanted to, they'll switch somebody to Sam or will, but, um, and it seems like they want to retain him again, something I'm going to say over and over again. So that'll be interesting to play out, but yes, I'm in agreement that I think given the way that our defense is very young by and large, adding those pieces continues to make sense for the way the group is constructed. Yeah. Just to, we have a lot of ground to cover uh, the linebacker in the draft. I'm like, I'm kind of sort of jumping up and down hoping we draft. And I'm really glad you included him in your, uh, your write up is Chester from Carolina I like really really want to draft so your boy I don't know if it's because I have a lot I don't know if it's because I have a lot of Carolina buddies but like I'm all in on this guy I have no idea why I just think he's gonna be great it's worth a whole lot of nothing right now but Ben Standig mocked him so Ben Standig did all seven rounds and Standig mocked him in the second round to Washington which is why I had to include him because we talked about Standig's accuracy in the past he you know um and, and so to your point actually uh he was he came to Carolina as a back, as a quarterback. He was the backup to Mitch Trubisky at one point. Like so that should speak to acumen and athleticism overall, the fact that he could move to the linebacker spot. Um I wrote this in my notes that there's shades of Shaq Thompson, who Ron Rivera drafted in 2015 in terms of being like that soup that's like undersized, but like, you know, sideline to sideline linebacker. He is someone that is interesting if we don't go first line a first round linebacker. Um shameless self-promotion i dropped my first mock draft of the season i fucking hate mock oh. drafts they're, they're stupid they're terrible and they're a biggest waste of time but uh the guy who i drafted to wash or a mock to washington was not a wide receiver it wasn't Kadarius tony like literally every other single mock draft is mocked to washington um i put david pick it 19 don't even try to mock yeah you're probably you're probably right um but i picked zavin collins of tulsa everyone like in an uneducated uneducated college fans like who's that Tulsa the dude won the he won the Bednarik award he won the other defensive player award that's now escaping me anyway best defensive player in the country monster uh he homerism aside the guy when I was watching him I was doing a little homework on him in my in my pre-draft process reminds me a lot of Tremaine Edmonds from Virginia Tech he like I, I don't blame you but like that was the guy that kept jumping out in terms of a comp he is a 260-pound linebacker that plays like a 220-pound linebacker. 
in terms of he's fast. He's going to go sideline to sideline. He can do everything that you want. He can play every linebacker spot, and he's just athletic as fuck, and I really, really liked him. Like, his highlights, watch, go, go watch it. It's fun. Yeah, I watched 15 minutes total of real-time Tulsa football this year. They were on, like, a Thursday night or something. I'm talking 15 minutes of, like, real-time, so yeah. probably, like, three minutes of football. And this dude was fucking everywhere. And I was like, who the hell is this guy? Because, like, you could just tell he was different. And the game went into overtime. That's why I was watching it. And he had a pick six to win it. Uh, it was sweet. He I, is everywhere. Uh, and I, I, like, looked him up, and now he's literally – everywhere has him drafted in the first round. He uh, should be. Like, he's, I, he's a stud. I, uh, some draft people are like, oh, well, he's an edge linebacker. I completely disagree. I think a smart defensive uh, – coordinator can use him at either outside linebacker spot in a 4-3 setup or a middle linebacker spot in a 4-3 setup and he can do everything he's a guy that literally you can use as the proverbial swiss army knife um i, I would do cartwheels if washington drafted him he is outstanding love the guy um so that's that's one guy if we were to go in the draft if they took him at 19 i i would be thrilled in more than a lot of guys that have been picked at the 19th spot to Washington. Um, that's, that's probably my guy early on in this process. Again, recognizing it's very, very early on. A couple other names in the draft process that have been mentioned. Um, Jeremiah Owusu Koromoa, outside linebacker from Notre Dame, 220 pounds, very typical, out, like, weak side linebacker. Um, high character guy. Notre Dame's Don't want him. really good. I, I, not, not my favorite cup of tea, but I haven't really done my true digging. He's on an edge. He's, a, he's just another edge guy. He's a weak side linebacker. I don't think he's like edge edge. Like I think he's just more of an undersized weak side linebacker, which we're seeing more and more of. And then um, there's a couple other dudes, Nick Bolton from Missouri. I haven't done, uh, he seen some stuff. I on, couldn't even tell you that is, but like he's done. Some, um, I've seen his name pop up a lot. I have to do my homework a little later on. Um, Dylan Moses from Alabama did not have a good season. Um, he had a much better junior year than he did in senior year. So, that's it is what it is and then uh, I haven't really done much homework past that I know Jabril Cox from LSU is a guy a lot of people have mentioned but more second third round type um also if you guys if if you're listening and you're mad at me for hating on uh Jeremiah Awuso however you pronounce his name he also he also verbally committed to UVA and then backed out on signing day and signed with Notre Dame so he'll always be on my shit list I was gonna say so it's not personal I'll never like him (laughs) I'll never like him um and now he now he wins freaking awards he's first team all-american god get out of here but he is an edge guy not what we need we need middle linebackers who can cover ground and again i like i said i saw someone i can't remember who it was and they were like no no zavin's an edge like a three a three four edge and i'm like respectfully disagree nope. he's not ryan kerrigan right like he's not montez sweat he's he, that's not him at all he might look like him but that's not his game. Like I, to your point, I saw that dude run in the open field and like defend tight ends and outplay tight ends in college football. And I'm like that, yeah, that's not a, you know, hand in the dirt, go rush the passer guy. He can do that. And he was blowing offensive linemen up, but um, yeah, strongly recommend anybody listen to this. Go look, Zavin Collins, Tulsa, go watch his highlights. They're fun as shit. Um, anyway, point being linebacker is a massive need. If Washington comes away with two plus in this offseason, that's probably the target number in terms of upgrades they need to make. And it's just a matter of whether that's through the draft, through premium draft capital, or whether that's through um, free agency or a combination of both, like every other position. Which will that's then segue my, us to about to get to my segment. Multiple sorry, segments. Talk to, about to, wide receivers. To, to pad, you know, I should just even tee it up. Um, wide receiver. So much can be said about this. I will start here. 
I left you with the with the fun stat about tight ends in terms of our grand total of three oh, catches Lord. for 18 yards last time when we were talking about it. Um, Cam Sims was our number two wide receiver in terms of statistical production last year. Pat, to put you on the spot, um, oh. if you had to rank him in terms of the number of catches he had compared to all NFL players, right, like total receptions, where do you think his reception total ranked among all NFL players this season? All NFL players. It could be running backs, it could be tight ends, wide receivers. Like, where do you think? You can even give me a range because the number is really hard. His, Let's see. His catch total. Cam. Well, how many catch? If I tell you, can't tell you the number, then you're going to know it. Like, what, what, like how far? Well, he had like, he had like 30 or so catches. So he's 20, he's like late, in either high 20s, low 30 catches. He's in that realm. He's probably 80th overall. That's 80th, 80th overall. Now, remember, I'm also just to make sure I'm documenting um, all the parameters. I'm Shit, that includes running backs too, doesn't running it? Running backs, receivers, and tight ends. All right. I am in my book. That's he seems kind of nice though. Let's see. Sixteen teams. I'll stick with eighty. Hundred and forty second. God damn. Hundred and forty second. He was a hundred Where was he on our where was he on our team? Fourth? Thirty uh I think fourth or fifth. It was pretty far down. It was uh thirty two receptions for four hundred and seventy seven yards and one. Oh, touchdown. I was running the I was running the catches. And that was our number two wide receiver. Uh, 142nd in the NFL in receptions and 94th in receiving yards. 94th in receiving yards. That can't be your number two guy. We talked about this in tight end. That's only exponentially exacerbated when you're talking about the wide receiver position. Like, it, it, it's not going to be. There's no way you can reasonably ro- roll out any quarterback and expect some modicum of success with the dudes that we have right now. Like, you can't. We won. You can almost say we won with smoke and mirrors on offense last year because that's what it really boils down to at this point. Yeah, the look. I've been on this wide receiver train since we, since the preseason, since we did our preseason podcast. Like our wide receivers suck. Uh, Terry is a stud. He's a bona fide star. Uh, you know, it's, I saw someone come out and say he's a wide receiver two. He's like two A. Um, I'm trying to remember who it was. Like it was, it was a guy like within the past week. It was Jason uh, Reed, wasn't it? Yeah, I forgot. It was that. It was either him or or Nagy over at uh, the Senior Bowl or something like that. Uh, I think Terry is a number one wide receiver. I think he's a freaking stud. Um, at, but then, worst, at, at worst, Terry McLaurin is a top 20 receiver at the NFL. At, at worst. Yeah. At worst. Yeah, 100%. But then from there, it's like, dude, what are we doing? We were fucking running out. Uh, um, fucking what was that dude's name? Uh, he was so bad, I can't even think of him anymore. Uh, and he was a hoop. Don Trillin was our number two, two guy for a while. Cam Sims, then you had you know, AGG, when people were hyped that we drafted a dude from Liberty, um, you know, and people are still excited about AGG. Maybe he turns out to be good, but he kind of seems soft to me, so we'll see. Um, Steve Sims, I hope we fucking cut him by a mile. I hate Steve Sims. He's like my least Drops player. to good plays ratio was like five to one this actually, year. Actually, let's rephrase that. He's not my least favorite player on the team. We all know who my least favorite player on the team is. Damn right. But Sims is, is – Steve Sims is not that great. Uh, and then lastly, Isaiah Wright. Isaiah Wright's kind of in the Cam Sims world. They're both undrafted. They, like, took advantage of their opportunity. But they're just guys. They're great depth players. They're great right? depth players at best. And, like, when we had good quarterback play, like real quarterback play, when Alex was healthy for about four quarters, that's uh, so a one game. Uh, when Heineke played pretty well for, you know, we'll call it 
better half of three quarters. Like these guys played, they were open. It's amazing what happens when you when uh, a quarterback knows what he's doing and he has some time to throw a ball. These I've said it all year. These receivers, that game is built for receivers and quarterbacks to get open. The problem is that it doesn't. The world doesn't exist like that, right? And you need to create separation. You need to be able to make tough catches. You need to be able to when you get the ball in your hands, go do something with it. None of those guys can do any of that. Any of it the amount of frustration I had built up when like our wide receivers would just disappear, like literally disappear. If it wasn't Terry going to make a contested catch, we had no chance at all. Um, and what happens is I'm like trying to be careful with this because I'm a little fired up about this. Uh, mostly you, because like our quarterback, play, the wind. Our, our quarterback play, especially with Haskins was so shitty. It's, it's actually a little hard to, shit on the wide receivers. I'm going to be as fair and objective towards them as I can. Because like Haskins, I don't mean, I said this uh, after the, I think it was the Panthers game. Carolina. Like, I don't care what scheme. I don't care if we have Kyle Shanahan running our offense. Like, nobody could scheme an offense to help that dude out. He was so bad that I felt bad for the players on the team. Ron even said it. He was like, I'm not here to develop one player. I'm here to develop 52 or 53, right? All that came like, when Smith was in there, Cam Sims, like to his credit, he had his moments. He had a really good game against the Giants. Uh, he actually had over 100 yards against Tampa in the playoffs. Um, he had a he basically changed the entire Steelers game with a catch towards the end of the first half uh, that got his points before halftime, where he broke a tackle. Um, so he had his moments, but like defenses were so like. They just rolled coverage to Terry. Terry's second half numbers declined big time. Now he was hurt. He was for sure, down. but like, but like he's getting double teamed pretty much all the time. What happens is, why do you think? And like, we're gonna have as long as Turner's our, our offensive coordinator, the running backs are gonna get theirs, the tight ends will get theirs. But we had nobody. We had no one to take the top off or take attention away from Terry, and our offense just bogged down because of it. I would consist. I would argue that towards the end end of the season, it became teams would basically knowing Terry was uh, t- was banged up, they would roll their number one corner on Terry, knowing that he wasn't fully explosive, and they would focus on taking Logan Thomas away because they knew our offense. If Logan Thomas is shut down, our offense just shits itself. We like, couldn't, do, couldn't it. do anything, right? Our entire offense after that was just throw the ball to JD McKissick, or our entire passing yeah. game rather was throw the ball to JD McKissick. That was our entire passing game if Logan Thomas was not available. Yeah, and, and see, this is where the problem I have with the receivers come into play because, like, look, Cam Sims, he's actually a terrific blocker. I like – I actually really like Cam Sims. But if you're you're the number two guy, right, and we had to do this – this is an example of Isaiah Wright. These are the plays we ran to Isaiah Wright, like quick screens, um, try to get Steve Smith in sp- – or Steve Smith, Steve Sims uh, in space, and, like, it never worked because they're not NFL caliber wide receivers. Imagine that being Allen Robinson, getting him in space. Imagine that being Galladay to be able to take the top off, right, so we can keep Terry closer to the line. Just think about our offense when we had D-Jax and Pierre. Yeah. Like, our offense just hummed because those dudes, they were dudes. I never really liked Deshaun, but, like, yo, he was good. And what it allowed is – I know Pierre hated his role. It's a big reason why he left. Um, but it allowed Pierre to dominate those those wide receiver screens, as quick slants, the so things that Terry are, Terry's built to do. Now, I am very excited about Harmon coming back. Um, because I think Harmon's kind of a mini Pierre. He just plays hard. He blocks hard. Um, he's he's a really good, like, not slack guy, but he's going to be a really good kind of depth wide receiver player, in my opinion. But we need 
somebody to go and get our quarterback some help. That 16 team with Garcon and Jackson and Jackson was ripping off 50 yard touchdowns almost every game. Huh? It was, yeah, awesome. he was incredible that year. Like that, so that year Joe was, Barry is our defense coordinator. Joe Barry who got hired by the Green now Bay the Packers. Packers defense. What a joke. What a joke. Uh, as this quick aside, I was talking to my buddy, John, um, a couple of days ago and um, they were talking about the NF. So some team did a study or some, some organization did a study about the lack of minority hiring in the NFL. And they came out with the, the conclusion, shouldn't surprise anyone, that there is a gross um, disparity in terms of minority coaches being hired by NFL teams. But they were like, the bigger problem, while it is certainly very much a problem that the minority coaches are not getting an equal or fair share, they're like, what's actually happening is that the NFL is just so rampant with cronyism that like, it's not so much about whether you're the best guy for the job, it's whether you know someone or whether you, whether you have a working relationship with the guy who's hiring you. That's all the NFL is right now. And that, again, goes to the fact why Joe Barry can get a job with the Green Bay Packers because he used to coach alongside Matt LaFleur in Washington. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's basically everyone that Bruce Allen hired. Yeah. And oh, you've, you've had way. a couple course lights with me? You're hired. And I, I, I was referring to this. It goes back to we hired Joe Barry over Wade Phillips because Jay Gruden had a relationship with him, right? Like that speaks to everything, that if you look at a resume of a person and you decide that Joe Barry is better than Wade Phillips, there's inherently something wrong. And I think that's why so many coordinators of any denomination are being passed up because like at the end of the NFL guys, just they hire who they like. And it's so stupid. Yep. Anyway, um, going back to the wide we receivers. Also, we also threw the bag at Amari last year. Ron knows we need wide receivers. I think they doubled down on it. He's 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 gonna go throw another bag at somebody. I want Robinson, but like if I'm Robinson, I'm I'm being very picky and going somewhere where there's a quarterback. Um, Galladay is interesting to me. Um, Juju, I don't think we're gonna get everyone. Freaking talking about Curtis Samuel's. I want no part of Curtis Samuel's. Um, I really like Corey Davis. Um, you know, I, I, Aguilar had a pretty good, I mean, pretty decent year with Vegas. Uh, but I'm also – the dream is Godwin to me. Uh, I just don't think we're going to get him. I think he's getting tagged. So let, uh, let's go ahead and put a uh, – if if you had – if you could go to the Vegas buffet and all of these wide receiver dishes are available and like, you can choose whichever – it's Godwin without without hesitation. And if he said, give me 35 – you give me $35 million a year, I'll say, when do I, where do I sign the check? I, it's literally to that extent, right? Like I'm obviously being facetious. He's younger than Terry. He's, he's, tw- I think he's, uh, yeah, he's younger he's like than 24. Terry. He's young. He's, he has, and he has a 1300 yard season under his belt. He's incredible. He is absolutely, I mean, again, you're talking about, he is, it's not a stretch to say he's a top 10 receiver in the NFL, like a top 10. The, best, the best part about Godwin, and this only is related to Redskins stuff, uh, but he played terribly in the playoff game. He had like three drops. He so, had three drops, but he also had a couple of killer plays on us. Like he had that that streaker across the. I can't. I think he burned Jimmy Moreland or somebody, but he had a big touchdown. That was really a big dagger that killed us. Yeah. I mean, he was also. I think it was a great. I think I would too. go Godwin if you if you gave me all you could eat buffet. I would definitely lead with Godwin. Godwin Allen Robinson. I've been in, when those trade rumors surfaced about Robinson in like week two. I was like, I opened the Halo District Twitter and was like, bucket. Let's go throw six ones for him. <laughs> I, I tend to be very 
like I tend to be very like um, reactive in the sense of like no whenever someone's available well like whenever like the guy demands a trade everyone's like Washington should go get him and I'm the opposite I'm like no just stop that conversation he's right now. played with Bortles and with Al Madden, and, uh, I was like I was the same with you it's like go throw it go go, go do what get we him. go get what we need oh um, he'd be so sick to get so him and Terry woo we'd be I, joke about Allen Robinson. I even wrote this in my notes. Like he's the free agent bell of the ball. Like he is the number one free agent at any position in this offseason. He is going to get bagged and there's going to be a lot of teams Dax, chasing him. Dak doesn't get tagged. Dax gets tagged. tagged. Dax gets tagged. <laughs> Let's just stop that conversation right now. Dak getting tagged. He's, he's staying in Dallas. Like, not according to, not according not, to Twitter. Not according to Twitter, but Twitter's full of shit. Um, <laughs> so uh, the thing that's interesting about, um, about there's a couple things interesting about Robinson in particular outside of the fact that he's a very very good player uh he tweeted something I think it was right after the Super Bowl and he said something to the effect of I want to play for a contender so where does that put Washington in the hierarchy of things because we were in the playoffs um one seat ahead of the Bears we don't have a quarterback we don't have a quarterback, don't have a quarterback. That's the problem. I believe you know this is all hypothetical it's never going to happen but if we got Stafford the everything oh, dude, uh, if we have everything Stafford changes things- I don't care what you, not you in particular. I'm just talking about like people. The collective you. I'm not. I don't. I don't really care what people think of Ted Stafford as a player. He seems to be fairly polarizing, from what I can tell. I am a big Stupid. Stafford fan. I'm a big Stafford, but like I know top ten without like, question the NFL, and I can back that ranking up absolutely. Yeah, like, he's good, right? But like, even if you think he's, let's say, the 13th best, best quarterback in the league, having an established guy at the top. With Ron, who's clearly done wonders for our organization, makes us a destination. Right think, now, we're not quite we're not quite a destination yet because we don't have the quarterback. And the thing I keep thinking about with the wide receiver, you can sell the wide receiver, right? It's like when you tell a pass rusher that, like, okay, you come to my defense and I need you to rush the passer. What happens is there's a chance that, like, you come to the like you're you're like Khalil Mack to a certain extent on the Bears, that you're the only pass rusher on the team. I know he's not the only pass rusher on the team, right? But like the only main edge pass rusher on the team. You're coming to Washington and you're pairing alongside Terry. They can't double you. They can't sh- scheme you like scheme you out of the game because then you got Terry on the, the other side. That's the problem. Say again? Who's going to get in the ball? That's the problem. But that's the thing, right? So that's why I'm going back to if, if Stafford was here, I, I think we are far and away the front runner to sign him because I 160,000 million percent agree with your thing that they're going to throw the bag at a wide receiver, seeing the precedent that was set from going chasing Amari Cooper. And I think they double down on that same pursuit this offseason. And this time I fully endorse it. Like go throw the bag at one of these guys. Um, I, the, the hard part the, with this is very specific to Robinson is I think if we throw the bag at Galladay as an example, he'll take the money. Like, he seems like a player that would take money. Juju probably takes the money if we throw the bag at him. Um, he, he can say he wants to stay in, in Pittsburgh. These guys, it's their first contract. They're going to want to go get paid. Robinson's been paid. And he's played with Bortles. He's played with Mitch. And he's played with Foles. And probably insert some terrible backup in Jacksonville that I can't think of on top of my head. He's going to want to go somewhere, and he's putting up. By the way, he's putting up thousand yard, thousand yard receiving seasons with those quarterbacks. Um, he's going to want to go somewhere where there's an established quarterback. Yep. Like he's going to want to go to who's a. Who's, I'm trying to think of like a the one that a makes team the most a big sense. quarterback that if they were smart, which they're not going to do it, but like why wouldn't Green Bay go chase him? 
because they're stupid. They're going right. to draft another quarterback in the first round or something. Exactly, right? Like the thing that was jumping out, I was like, you want to you want to you want to make Aaron Rodgers happy? Go sign Allen Robinson, right? Pair him with Devontae Adams yeah. and see how everything changes after that. See you later. Right? Like that's I think the, they got cap problems though. Yeah, they are. I think they're the bottom four in the NFL, if not even like slightly lower in terms of available cap space. Yeah, I, I uh, that's an iconic franchise. Uh, Rodgers is maybe the best pure passer of all time. Notice I didn't say the best player of all time, best pure mm-hmm. passer of all time. And they're freaking drafting a quarterback, and then they're kicking the field goal in the playoffs. I just, uh, I just can't deal with it. <laughs> You're just wasting a generational talent, and you just hired Joe Joe Barry. That's Barry's never had a defense out like in the top twenty-five. You can say whatever you want about Mike Pettin. Mike Pettin is is light years better than Joe Barry. I'm sorry. That's 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 not even like that's not even conjecture. That is a bona fide fact. Like it is a joke that the two of them should even be compared in the same sentence. Um, Have fun paying Preston Smith while we got fucking Montez and Chase Young. Yeah, we ended up on the right side of that. Um, Allen Robinson. It's going to be interesting. So. I know the another team that continues to be mentioned a lot in free agent pursuit is um, is the Giants, and it'll be interesting to see how um, other <laughs> other franchises perceive or other players perceive the value of. Daniel Don't go there. Uh, I no, I, I God no. I hope they end up overpaying some complete bum um, at the position. Don't overpay for Corey Davis. I'm gonna cut. I'm gonna touch on Kenny Galladay for a second. Um, Galladay, the big thing about him, I like Kenny Galladay. Obviously, he's young. He's uber talented. Baby Megatron is his nickname for, for reasons that are like, because he, he was very similar in terms of his playing style. Uh, he turned down $16 million a year. He turned down a $16 million a year APY extension in Detroit um, prior to the start of the season, which then begs the question, is it because he didn't want to play in Detroit anymore? And I wouldn't blame him if that's the case because everyone hated Matt Patricia. Or is it because... Um, he believes he'll get paid more in the open market. It could be some combination of both. The and, answer to that is yes. Right. And if he gets paid 18 to 20, I don't think there's any, um, like, I don't think anybody will really flinch about it given his, uh, his talent level. I think the injuries, kind of, he seems kind of soft though. He's hurt all the time. The injury question is the big question with him, right? Like, are you, are you paying for a guy who's going to be, you know, who's going to be more in the tub than the club, so to speak. And uh, that's, 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 that's the problem that with him. Uh, those are the, the flip side. If you can't make the club in the tub, um, can't remember who said that, but the guy who, so going down the list, um, if I had my druthers and I'm like recognizing the market landscape and stuff like that. Um, and it's funny cause I've never really been big on this guy in general. I actually want Juju Smith Schuster. He's like, if we he's couldn't, tough. if he's we tough. could he's a tough receiver. And I think he fits really well next to uh, Terry McLaurin. I think he's more of the inside guy. He would actually allow McLaurin to do more work over the deep intermediate part. And exactly what you said, like Schuster will do everything else that you ask him. He does. Yeah, and he does he's, very work. And he's the very, like a perfect, not quite a one, but too rich to be a two wide receiver, right? Like he's a low end one, high end two. And I think that fits really nicely in terms of what we're trying to do. People, because Detroit, um, Detroit. Pittsburgh's offense was our passing offense was kind of anemic last year, but coming off career high, nine touchdowns. Uh, he was top 10 in the NFL in the number of catches last year, which people don't realize he had 97 catches um, top 25 in yards after the catch. I think he's a really dynamic player. I think he soured in Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh soured on him. I think Pittsburgh 
is content to roll because uh, they have a few cap problems themselves. They're content to roll with Deontay Johnson, Chase Claypool, James Washington, and probably somebody else that I'm missing right now as their current group. They believe they can draft wide receivers and develop them as well as anyone. And I think Smith Schuster would be a really nice addition. Um, I just have a nasty feeling based off of a variety of things connecting the dots that he's going to end up in Baltimore. Um, Baltimore, their number one priority this offseason is to get another wide receiver for um, – for Lamar Jackson. Um, I think there's the they idea. Gotta figure out, they got to figure out the Brown situation first. Uh, Hollywood Brown? Orlando, Orlando no, Brown. The, yeah, they may trade. Orlando Brown trade. situation. came out today. Um, so, uh, yeah, so they want to get a receiver for Lamar Jackson. Um, they're going to be very much in the mix. I think they're another team that's low-key in the mix for, uh, for Baltimore, uh, for Allen Robinson, rather. Um, and the interesting thing was that the new wide receivers coach in Baltimore is T. Martin, the T. Martin, way back in the day from Tennessee, had a bun- bounced around a bunch of spots, and he was his wide receivers coach at USC. So, and you have the third thing of he can play Pittsburgh twice a year to kind of rub salt in the room. So, that's, T. Martin won the first BCS Bowl, BCS National Championship. That was Tennessee versus Nebraska. Oklahoma, I, think. I think it was. I think it was Oklahoma. Uh, Anyway, he was the yeah. quarterback for Tennessee in the first ever BCS National Championship in they won. But, um, yeah, so I think Juju ends up in Baltimore when it's all said and done. But if, that, if I'm wrong and he ends up in Washington, I'd be very happy, um, assuming we don't get an Allen Robinson, who, of course, would be the top of the list. But, like, I think it would just be really difficult. Although, to kind of paint the argument on the opposite side, um, Mark Bullock has – put out a bunch of great content on the Substack. Um, he's not unfortunately working for the athletic anymore, but on his personal Substack, Substack site, say that three times fast, he's done great free agent profiles. And he did mention that while Robinson would be a tremendous fit here, great player, couldn't say enough good things about him. He did say there'd be a little bit of redundancy in terms of his playing style and Terry McLaurin's playing style. So take that for what it's worth. Or the, where they fit in the offense. And I think that's less the case with the Juju Smith-Schuster type. Yeah, Juju... I think he soured on he soured on me just with all the TikTok stuff and ripped yeah. all the Bears players. That's what the kids under twenty five do these days. Yeah, I don't know. I think you're right. He'd be a perfect compliment for Terry because he does a lot of dirty work, uh, which would be awesome to have. Um, I don't think we really have. I mean, Cam does Cam Sims does dirty work, but not quite like Juju does. Obviously, um, the other option is is to go through the draft. Um, you're right about this Tony cap in Florida. Like, I don't know Every why. Every single mock has picked him. He is mocked to us a bazillion, bazillion different ways. At we've least four. To, At least four yeah, different mocks. We've been mocked to Bateman a few times from Minnesota. But Tony seems to be like, I don't know. He, You're right. The Athletic has us to him. Uh, ben Standick did it. Um, Jeremiah, Mel Kuyper, and uh, Todd McShay. All, yeah, all of them had All Tony, four of them. But, I mean, we're not in the worlds of the the Chase or the Waddle, uh, or the who's the guy that won the Heisman? Jamar Chase, Devontae Smith? Smith, and Jalen Wall are going to be gone. Those guys like, are gone. They're good. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're just uh, if they if, I even, have, if I they got past fifteen. Say it again. I don't think Smith's going to be great. NFL. Wow, hot take. I think he's character. Yeah. I think he's. Uh, it's more about character with him. Like I think he's just. He's going to do it. He's so small. He's undersized, but I, I think there's a place for dudes like that. Like he may not be a 1,400 to 1,600-yard super freak because those do tend to be the super dominant NFL players. But I think, you know. Um, I just worry about him getting jacked up and he's down. I mean, he got hurt in the national championship game after he put up 200 yards in the first half. 
Right, exactly, right? I mean, he was literally, and I mean by in every sense of the word, unstoppable. And um, I don't know. Uh, so I, I, I echo the sentiment very much. I don't think uh, we're, we're, gonna, we're not going to get anyone in the top 15 picks of the draft. Or the, the, it, none of those three receivers are going to be gone after the top are available. We're picking the top, the top We're picking the top seven, but we're not taking one of them. Um, going back to your comment, you know, one guy that he's a rich man's version of this, but like if you look at uh, Devontae Smith, a lot of people said the same thing about former Alabama receiver Calvin Ridley. I said the former, same thing about former Cal- receiver Calvin Ridley or former Alabama guy Calvin Ridley, that he's too small. And Ridley's been really, really good. Granted, he plays next to Julio Jones, but even when Jones is out, he's been really, really good. So, and he's just done. He's, he's, a, he's a wide receiver one playing in Julio's shadow. And Ridley is, is paper thin in terms of his size. Like, they're, he might even be smaller than Smith in terms of like overall bulk and frame. Um, so, yeah, Tony, um, I, I've, I, it's a lazy comparison, so I don't want to like put too much stock into this, but everyone's like, oh, he's just like Percy Harvin. I think Percy Harvin was such, a, it was such a unique player in so many different ways. So, like, I don't, and plus, there's all, they both went to Florida. So, like, seven, five, seven. It's uh, Lansdowne yes, High School. Uh, he, he, he cock teased Virginia Tech very slightly when he was, no, 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 sorry, somebody, I'm thinking of somebody else. He, when, uh, when Beamer basically, or whoever our, our recruiting staff was, when like Harvard was coming out of high school, was like, hey, you know, so many tide, you know, Tidewater players come over here. And he was like, yeah, no, not, I, you're not even on my radar, bro. Like, don't even try to recruit me. I, he's, he's my class. I'm the same age as him. Okay. And we went, like, a couple of buddies and I went to Lansdowne just to see him play because he was number one recruit in the country. Yes, he was. Uh, and they, I don't, I forget the dude's name. I don't think he ever panned out, but the wide receiver opposite of him signed with Florida state. So they had a Florida state wide receiver and a Florida receiver. That Lansdowne team, different. They were so good. It's like when also, Ron- Percy Harvin's kind of crazy. When Ronald Curry and, uh, and Mike Vick would play each other way back in the day. Um, also, way, way back in the day. Seven, five, seven. Yeah. I was going to say, but in also the not the best quarterbacks ever to come out of the area. Alan, Alan Although most people say Ronald, Allen Iverson. Allen Iverson was the best quarterback in there. Yeah, man, that guy was a fucking freak. Uh, going back to wherever we'd like wide receiver. Um, so I mentioned that a couple of guys I wanted to clear. It's going to be a long podcast. Clear, Thanks for listening. We haven't even gotten a quarterback yet. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ, I know. Closing the loop, I don't like Corey Davis. Um, I know he's um, – uh, I know he's going to be he's going to be a consolation prize for teams that miss out on Allen Robinson and stuff like that. I don't like the fact that he's kind of a one year wonder. Um, I get really worried about him benefiting playing next to AJ Smith. A uh, couple of stats for you: five touchdowns last year, five touchdowns in his prior three seasons combined. Um, he also went he also went scoreless. Uh, he didn't have a single catch in Week 16, which was the fantasy football playoff final, uh, and I lost by one point. One one in his first uh, where is that where's the stat I would I love this one um, five one hundred yard receiving uh, five five games with hundred yards receiving last year and he had a grand total of two in his two years prior um, he had something like I can't remember write down the stat but it was something like he had a twenty five game stretch where he had one game with hundred five hundred yards receiving it just still smells like too much of a one year wonder to me um, I worry that he's Paul Richardson two point in many cases although Paul Richardson never put up the stats that that Corey Davis did um, so no there uh, Nelson Aguilar t- I, I, he was interesting had a nice rejuvenation over in Las Vegas second half of the season played quite well he just has a case of the dropsies everyone knows that. Um, one guy who I would despise if he hated, I guess I hated his guts because he's terrible or like he's like the kind of guy who will get 200 yards one game and six for the next four games is T.Y. Hilton. 
he's available. I don't think he's going to resign. He's old. Indianapolis. He's too old, um, but he's a deep threat. So that's there. There's a lot of guys available in the draft. So like, unless you're starting to talk about like that Kadarius, Tony, uh, Rashad Bateman type of tier. So I don't know. I think the point of this long-winded conversation is to say that they've got to back up the Brinks truck and go chase Allen Robinson or somebody of that ilk because like they just can't roll out the same level of dudes. And it's not really this massive crop of available guys. Thank you for listening to the Hail to the District podcast. Be sure to subscribe to us on iTunes or wherever you download your podcasts.